Would you welcome a favorite, Ephraim Smith? God bless you. Good morning. It is a uh, pleasure to be with you and to uh, worship with you. I'm going to read this morning from Philippians, the second chapter. Philippians, the second chapter, starting with the first verse. Philippians, the second chapter, starting with the first verse, it says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. From this uh, text here, I want to preach uh, with the title, Next Steps. Next Steps. Let's pray. Abba Father, I just pray that this would be your message and not mine, that you would preach, that your will would be done, that your agenda would come forth. For you know better than I the word for these, your children, my sisters and brothers. I ask that you would just use me as a vessel, as the vehicle for proclaiming your truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Next steps. As a child, I had a fear of roller coasters. I I, I really didn't want much to do with roller coasters, mainly because they took me to heights that I couldn't get to on my own. And sometimes when you'd come from those heights, you were going at a fast pace, a pace that I, in my own power, in my own knowledge, couldn't conjure up how that could happen. So I had this fear of roller coasters. Um, As I got a little older, I went to this amusement park called Valley Fair, and a friend of mine showed me a roller coaster, and he said, look, you don't need to fear this roller coaster. This is a very traditional roller coaster, very traditional. It it, it goes up slow, comes down fast. That's all it does. Very traditional. This represents... Roller coasters of the ancient. (laughs) You can do this. And through my friend, I felt comfortable that I could take this step and ride a traditional roller coaster. So my first entrance into my adventure with roller coasters was tradition. I entered in to roller coasterism (laughs) through tradition. And I rode the roller coaster. It was fine. I got used to it. I know how to deal with traditional roller coasters. But then I um, went back to Valley Fair. A couple years later, they had a new roller coaster called the Corkscrew. 
This roller coaster is not traditional. <laughs> it goes up slow, it comes down fast, but then it goes upside down multiple times, and then it ends. Um, I was used to tradition when it came to roller coasters, but I wasn't used to roller coasters that were non-traditional. But after my friend and other friends talked me into it, helped me understand, I took the next step into a non-traditional roller coaster. About three years ago, I was in California. I went to Magic Mountain. <laughs> and while I was at Magic Mountain, they had a roller coaster called the Ninja. This roller coaster was different for a couple of reasons. One, the track, instead of being under the roller coaster, is above the roller coaster. You see, instead of depending on what was below me, I had to depend on what was above. <laughs> to ride this roller coaster, I had to believe that what was above me could carry me. See, it wasn't a traditional roller coaster. And though I had rode a roller coaster that was non-traditional, I now had to depend fully to ride this roller coaster on what was above me instead of what was below me. See, I was used to what was normal. The track is supposed to be underneath you. The track is supposed to be underneath you in a way that it guides you. But now I had to be guided by something I couldn't see while I was riding. Some of y'all flowing with me on this message. <laughs> and not only what did I have to depend on what was above me instead of what was below me, but instead of roller coasters where you get in with a whole bunch of people, this roller coaster you got in a car by yourself. So not only did I have to depend on what was above, but I had to be willing to navigate the ride by myself, only able to depend on what was above. I got on the ninja and I rode that roller coaster. <laughs> then I came back to Valley Fair not too long ago and they have another roller coaster called the wild thing. <laughs> I've been on the traditional roller coaster been on the one that's out of the tradition. I've been on the roller coaster where you had to depend on what was above instead of what was below. But this roller coaster went higher than other roller coasters. It, it went faster than other roller coasters. Sometimes it would go so fast that you couldn't see what was around you. Sometimes this roller coaster would go into dark places where you, you couldn't see things in the natural. And I had to make a decision if I wanted to take the next step and ride this roller coaster and I have to be honest with you, I have not taken this step yet. <laughs> Could it be that this parable about roller coasters 
has something to do with our relationship with God. Some of us took steps to become a Christian that were very traditional. We went to church because our grandparents went to church and our parents went to church. And then the church we went to was very liturgical. And, and you could look around and see glass stained windows and see things that were very traditional and very historic. We sang out of the hymn book. Some of us became Christians. Some of us walked into our relationship with God in very traditional means. Now, for some people, just walking in to this church building this morning, this is non-traditional. So this would be like getting on the corkscrew. You don't know what twists and turns will come when you take tradition out but are still believing that Christ is in the center and that through new ways you will practice old, ancient truths. See, sometimes Christianity, it, it can be a hard step to step out of a Christianity that's very traditional into one that is more contemporary. That can shake us up a little bit. But those of you that have taken that step know that it's okay once you take it. And, and then there's also uh, that point in your life when you realize that when you walk with God long enough, there can be attacks. There can be warfare. There can be fights. And sometimes to navigate the waters of this intimate relationship with God, you have to take a step of faith and believe in things you can't see. You have to depend on what's above because the things in the natural can't carry you anymore. Some of you know what it's like to take that step. But what about taking steps in the dark? What about taking steps in a storm? What about taking a step in your relationship with God when things aren't going the way you would like them to go? See, it's easy to talk about God and to pray to God and to worship and lift your hands. It's easy when you're in the traditional roller coaster or at least when things are going well. But when things are dark, when life is going so fast that you can't catch up, when things are so loud and noisy, when confusion comes in, how do you take the next step in this faith walk with God? Paul is helping us understand how to take steps when things aren't going well, when you can't figure it out, when it doesn't make sense. See, it's a big step for Paul even to write this letter, this letter called Philippians. Why? Because he's writing it while he's imprisoned. He's in chains. Uh, uh, he's in a dark place. See, Paul has seen it all. He's been beat down and flogged. He's been jailed. He's been chained. He's been left for dead. He's been ridiculed. He's been made fun of. He, he, he's been called a sellout for what he's doing. How could you leave the traditions you were in and do this? How could you do that? He's writing a letter trying to encourage people, motivate people, and challenge them to take the next step in their relationship with God and one another while he's in a dark place. He should be doubting God. He should be saying, if there's a God, why am I in chains? It would make sense if Paul would say, maybe the Damascus road wasn't real. Maybe that was a mirage. Maybe I dreamt that. Maybe I thought God spoke to me, but God really didn't speak to me. You talk about a step of faith when you can be in the midst of a storm and still write love letters and still, still sing songs of praise and still pray and still give God glory and still testify and still witness to somebody that doesn't know God. Now that's a step. Paul has taken a big step just to write this letter. 
But I have to tell you this, sisters and brothers. This step he took compares in no way to the leap that God took towards him when he sent his son to the earth and his son in the form of a man took uh, a betrayal and persecution and took it all the way to the cross to death and then rose to life. See, I, I, God wouldn't call you to take a step if God wasn't willing to take a leap towards you with love and grace and mercy and, and justice and, and challenge. God is taking a leap towards you so you can take a step towards God. How do you take these steps? First, you got to realize that God leaps towards you. God is pursuing you. God loves you. God cares about you. God has destiny for you. God, you're not alone in the storm. You are not under the attack by yourself. You are not dealing with the pressures and the disappointments and the things you deal with alone. You are not walking through life by yourself. There's a God that is leaping at you with love and destiny and purpose and grace and challenge and rebuke and challenge and, 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 and reformation. There's a God leaping at you. Some of you that own big dogs, you know about this. If you own a big dog that you let run around your house, you know that you could come home at night and as soon as you step in the door, the big dog could leap at you. Uh, uh, Even though you take one step in the door of the house, this dog is ready to pounce and leap on you. God would not call you to take a step if God's not willing to leap at you. So Paul here talks about taking next steps. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. Have you felt any love from accepting Jesus into your life? Have you felt any comfort, any compassion by just saying out of your mouth, there is a God? Have you ever read the pages of the Bible and the words seem like they were personally written to you? Like it could have said, dear you, love God. At the end of the text, you read it and they bounced off the pages and rooted them. If you felt anything from praying before you eat, if you felt anything from calling on the Lord in the midst of anything, if you felt any comfort, any love, any tenderness, any encouragement from just being around the fellowship of believers, why not Take the next step. Why stay where you are when you can keep going? Some of you, you took a step just to walk in this church today. That was a big step. You looked outside. You wondered, should anybody go anywhere when it's this cold? Why can't they have church on satellite? Why can't my home church just, it just be beamed to me in the warmth? See, it took a step. For some people, you've never walked into a church before. This is a step. For some of you, you're sitting here wondering what this praise and worship, what the message, what the prayers might call you to do. Uh, uh, is, is something going to happen to make me have to make a decision today? Is today the day to take the next step. Well, as Paul is talking to the church in Philippi, he says, make my joy complete by being like-minded. 
One step that you could take is to decide that you want your mind to be in line with the mind of God. Yes, you've come to church or yes, you accepted Jesus Christ as your savior. Yes, you are a believer. Yes, but would you line your mind with the mind of God? Would you let God's thoughts be your thoughts? Would you let heavenly thinking dominate your thinking? See, there are lots of people that try to use their mind to create God. There are lots of people that use their mind to try to convince others what they think God is about. But what would it mean for God to mess with your mind? I learned not too long ago that there are a group of scholars, theologians, people with PhDs, very intellectual high-minded and they get together every once in a while and they discuss and even vote on what they believe Jesus said and what Jesus really didn't say and they've come to the high scholarly intellectual conclusion that it is very possible that Jesus is not God that Jesus did not raise from the dead now they've used their minds to figure this out they've used their minds to create a system to create a formula to help other people think through is Jesus God did Jesus live did Jesus raise and what not now that's one way I guess you could go about it but what if if you decided instead of using your mind to convince yourself about this and that about God if you said God you can have my mind you can have my thinking God you can have my intellect I know I got a PhD or an EDD or an MA or or, or five D's and seven C's but, but I still need something else my education is not enough God has given me wisdom and intellect my brain is working fine but there's some things that I go through my mind can't get me out of God take my mind God own my brain I need my thoughts to be your thoughts I wisdom is fine but you have something beyond wisdom what if you gave God your mind what if you said my thoughts are crazy I need different thoughts Sometimes my memories cripple me. My memories keep me from going forward. I can't even go forward because my memories chain me and bind me. I can't even say yes to something good because I got memories running in my head. I got memories. I have thoughts. I have have all this intellectual stuff that has kept me in bondage. And now I want to be free in my head. I want to be liberated in my mind. I'm tired of the headaches. I'm tired of the stress. I'm tired. I've taken a whole bottle of Advil, but I need something on high. Tylenol and Excedrin is not helping me right now. I need God to have my mind. For some of us, the next step is allowing God to have your mind because there's some things about the gospel that doesn't make sense. What if your thoughts were in tune with heavenly thoughts? 
What if your mind was totally tied in to the mind of the heavenly realm, the mind that created the universe, the supernatural mind of God that said let and in the midst of nothing was something? What if your mind was in tune with a mind that says there can be life after death, there can be healing in sickness, it's not over to God says it's over. What if you thought like that? What if your head was like that? What if somebody said something to you and you said, I don't accept that. Speak to the hand. My head is someplace else right now. You only have seven days to live. Why is my mind disagreeing with yours? Somebody in here has a testimony. You were not supposed to be here. The last operation you had was supposed to be it. You were supposed to be gone. We were supposed to have your funeral five years ago. But something in the mind of God was above the mind of your doctor. Your doctor's mind didn't line up with God's mind. And you're still here. An authority told you your kid wouldn't come home. Uh, uh, Somebody professional told you you would never get out of jail and here you are. Something about God's mind that's different than your mind. You were supposed to be locked up for life and here you are in ministry. The next thing, because I could just have preached about that, but there's some more. It says having the same love. What if we took the next step in our relationship with God and we loved like God loves? You know, my wife, Denisha, is sitting on the front row. Wave your hand, honey. Just so, you know. Well, I just want people to know I got a queen. That's all. You know, I to... I'd have her stand up, but she's too fine for that. She's too fine for that. Um, we started dating in high school. We started dating in high school and... Um, you, you know how young guys are. You know, you, you get a girlfriend and you think you can sweet talk her. You know what I'm saying? And um, so I remember one night we were talking on the phone. And so you know, I, I, I just said to myself, you know, the, the handsome, manly guy I am, I'm going I'm I'm to I'm drop some lines on my girlfriend tonight. So I called her on the phone and, you know, we were talking. And, I, I, you know, the, the, I got to this point. I said, girl, you know I love you. You know that? Girl, I love you, girl. You know that? She said back to me, fool, you don't even know what love is. She said, last time we went to the movies, you couldn't even buy me popcorn. And now you're talking about love? Why don't you get a savings account first? Before you love somebody. She said, I don't even know if I love you. I like you. You you, you ever thought you knew love and then all of a sudden found out you didn't? That's what happens when you take the next step with God. See, I thought I knew how to love people until I checked out how God loves people. See, God loves people that don't love God back. God loves people that reject God. God loves people that don't believe in God. God loves people that spit in the face of Christ. People, I mean, I mean, I mean, driving nails in your hand and still saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. God loves enemies. God loves outcasts. God loves people that don't measure 
measure up. Oh my goodness, what if I took the step of trying to line up my love with God's love? What if I had compassion like God has compassion? See, I know how to tolerate people. I learned that good. I learned how to make people that I don't like think I do. to invite relatives over and pretend like I want to see them. I know how to make telemarketers think I want to talk to them. See, I know how to tolerate people. I know how to put up with people. I know how to like people. I know how to dislike people. I know how to hate somebody. I know how to convince you to help me go after her. But I don't love my enemies. I can jail my enemies, bomb my enemies, whoop my enemy, love my enemy. Man. Next steps. I didn't say they were easy. Next one says, being one in spirit. Mm. I mean, Paul just keeps going deeper and deeper with this thing, don't he? He says, put your, put your mind at the same level as God. Have your mind in tune with the mind of God. Have your love be the same kind of love as God. Love people like God loves people. And now he's saying, be one in spirit. Uh, the, the, the spirit person in us being lined up with the spirit of God. Or, or let's go a little deeper. What if the spirit of God and the spirit in you was one and the same? It was the same spirit. So it wasn't two spirits trying to cook up, but it was actually the same spirit. And God has now taken up residence and has authority in your body, in your temple, in your house. What if your spirit governed your soul, which controlled your body? What if the spirit of God had total control, total Total reign, total kingship in your house. I mean, it's one thing to let somebody in your house, but let them own it. I mean, many people have invited Jesus into their heart, but would you give Jesus your heart? Many people have invited Jesus into their life, but would you give Jesus your life? You can have my life. See, I think this being one in the spirit with God is something that I don't know if we can do this totally corporately in a large setting like this. To be one in the spirit with God means that you probably need to take the step of having an intimate relationship with God, a personalized relationship with God. See, you might have to get to a quiet place to be one in the spirit with God. You might have to find a refuge. You might have to find a closet, a quiet place. You might have to get away from emails and the telephone and the television and your job and your education and your salary. You might have to escape the world and find a place where you can have a date with God, where you can have a retreat with God. When's the last time you let God take you out? 
When's the last? See, when God takes you out, God will pick you up and God will foot the bill and God will arrange the agenda. God will have music there for you. God will have silence and solitude and meditation. God will relax your soul. God will take your burdens off of you and place it upon God. See, when's the last time you had a private, intimate, spirit-to-spirit date with God? For some of us, that's the next step. You need to put on your calendar. You need to plan it like you plan everything else. You need to say, this is the day I'm having a date with God. Tonight, I'm, I'm gonna, it's going to be me and God. It's going to be me and the Lord. See, those of you that are married, you know that there are parts of your relationship that are intimate that nobody's supposed to see but you and your spouse. It's private. It's intimate. It's you. you this is not in the public. This is not on television. This is you alone. You and your spouse will have that's true in a marriage what about the church as the bride and Jesus as the groom shouldn't there be a time when you as a part of the bride of Christ has an intimate date with your groom for some of us the next step is to have a private regular intimate date with God let God take you out Then it says, and in purpose. So not only are we talking about being like-minded, not only are we talking about having the same love and being one in spirit, but now if you can, if you can have a holistic approach that God has my mind, God has my heart, God's spirit has reign in me, I want my purpose to be tied into the purposes of God. God has a purpose for you. See, some of us have tied our purpose into earthly things. And now, because those things fell through, we're sitting around wondering, is there any purpose for life? I wanted to have children, but I can't have children naturally. What is my purpose? I wanted to get married, and now I'm still single by myself. Is there any purpose for me? I thought I was going to get that promotion. I did all the right stuff. I worked harder than anybody. I deserve a raise. I deserve a promotion. And not only did I not get the promotion, but they laid me off two months ago. What is my purpose? Everything I put my hands on, it doesn't work out. I have dreams that have been shattered. I have hopes that still haven't come to pass. Is there any purpose for me? But see, Paul is saying, even in chains, I have a purpose. Even if this earthly body goes away, even if my purpose is to be in the heavenly realms with my robe on, with the palm branch saying, holy, holy, holy is the lamb. God has an eternal beyond this earth purpose for me. It is not over yet. Do not throw in the towel just because your marriage didn't work out. God still has a purpose just because your kids ran away, just because you're old and you can't run like you used to. God has a purpose for you. There's a purpose for you. Just because your earthly purpose didn't work out, your God purpose can step right on in. God has a purpose for you. Would you be willing to study what your spiritual gifts are? Maybe you feel like you don't have purpose because it was hard for you to take the step to realize you're a prophet. 
You got the gift of administration. You got the gift of discernment. You have the gift of intercessory prayer. You have the gift of worship. You have a gift of teaching. You have a gift of leadership. Stop looking at earthly methods for purpose and look at supernatural biblical methods for purpose and you might rise again. You might have new life today. You could be reformed and revised because I didn't know that's what I was supposed to do. I thought I was supposed to be a teacher. I'm supposed to own my own school. I thought I was supposed to be the nurse. I was supposed to build the hospital. Lord have mercy. I thought I was supposed to be an usher and you didn't call me the pastor. Good God. And even if you're the usher, you need to take ushering to another level. I'm going to get a doctorate in usherology. When people see me, I'm going to smile and I'm going to love and I'm going to greet and I'm going to have a passage. You ain't never met an usher like me. You ain't never met somebody with the offering bucket like me before. I'm, I'm better than most. See, when I walk around with the offering bucket, I'm light on my feet. There's a spirit in me. You want to put a lot of money in my bucket when I come around because Jesus is on me. I'm, I'm one of the holy usher offering bucket carriers you didn't see. Don't nobody blow the snow in the parking lot like I blow it. I sing songs when I'm doing it. Jesus, keep me near the cross. Good morning. How you doing? Woo! Jesus, amazing grace. Woo! Don't nobody sweep flows like I sweep them. Because I got a purpose in my sweeping. You can be a custodian and reach more people for Jesus than a preacher. If you know your purpose, you can be a secretary and be a laborer for Christ. If you know your purpose, do you know your purpose? Take the next step and know who you really are. I want to end by looking at this last part because he goes deeper in having your purpose be lined up with God's purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but be humble. Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as Christ. That's a big step. Because Christ should have got more props than he got. Christ should have had more favoritism than he got. He should have been more popular than that. Didn't they know he God? Treated him like he was nobody. Ripping his beard out of his face, beating him down, lying on him, calling him a demon, driving nails in his hands, spitting on him, trading his clothes like they was baseball cards or something. And my attitude is like Christ. I might not get all the reputation in the world that I would like to get. But there's good news. Even when the world doesn't give you what you deserve. In chapter 4, verse 7, it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. 
If you have the same attitude as Christ, God will guard your heart and guard your mind. Even when you're persecuted, even when you're in the storm, even when things aren't going the way you thought they would go. There's something about when God is guarding your heart and guarding your mind. If you give God your mind and give God your heart, God will guard what you give God. If you give God your heart and your mind, God will guard your mind and guard your heart. I have a friend named Chris Hill and um. Chris preached this sermon called Crazy Peace. And he said there's something about God guarding your heart and guarding your mind. There's a peace that comes from heaven. He said it's like a guard standing outside your mind and your heart. And when bad thoughts try to come to your brain, when messed up emotions try to come to your heart, when hatred tries to infiltrate your emotions, it's like God is standing in front of your mind and in front of your heart. And when something comes, he says, halt. Who goes there? When thoughts of suicide try to come to your mind, God will stand in front of your mind and say, we don't accept those thoughts in this house. We don't put up with hatred and racism and sexism and injustice and suicidal thoughts. We don't put up with fear of man in this house. I'm guarding my sister and my brother's heart and I'm guarding their mind. There's something about having a God who stands in front of your heart and in front of your mind and says, halt, who goes there? Are you friend or foe? Are you good or evil? Are you with Jesus or with the devil? Tell me something. You can't get in this brain till you talk to me. Oh, that's a big step. Next steps is letting God guard your heart and your mind. Oh, I'm coming to my close. Last night after I preached here at the Saturday night service, I was driving home. I told my wife I'd pick up dinner on the way home. After I picked up dinner, I was driving down the street, minding my own business. And all of a sudden, out of a parking lot, shot out a truck right in front of me. And I hit my brakes and tried to turn and veer to the right, but it was too late. I crashed right in front of uh, I crashed right into the truck and many thoughts tried to come into my mind why is this happening to me what's going on I said some things I can't repeat right here in the church Uh, there were thoughts of things to say and things to do and I was hurting and I was like how am I going to preach tomorrow and what's going to happen but all of a sudden the God who guards my heart and my mind reminded me that not by my power not by my might but by the spirit says the Lord and even though I crashed into a truck even though I didn't know how it was going to turn out I'm still here preaching the word of God the devil is a liar Yeah. Ooh wee. Something about Jesus. Something about the blood of the Lamb. Something about life after death. Something about that cross. Something about Golgotha. Something about life coming out the grave. There's something about Jesus. Can I get a witness? Is there anybody that can stand up and wave your hand and say, God has kept me anyhow? Yes. Jesus, my Rose of Sharon, my Prince of Peace, my King of Kings, my Lord of Lords. There's something about Jesus. There's something about the Holy Ghost. It makes me dance. It makes me jump. It makes me lift my hands. Something about Jesus.
have stuff to do. I keep preaching. But Lord have mercy. Oh, if y'all didn't have stuff to do, I'd preach today. You're in dangerous water saying that, brother. Look, I'm National Baptist, okay? We can go for a while. Only reason Greg Boyd let me preach here is I sent him the 30-minute sermon tape. (laughs) Praise God. Maybe you're sitting here today and you need to take a next step. What is your next step? Is it to align your mind with God? Is it to align your love with God? Maybe you invited Jesus into your heart, but you haven't given Jesus your heart to own and to have. Maybe you pray in your marriage to God, but you've never given your marriage to God. You keep praying for your kids to come home. Have you ever just given your kids over to God and said, God, you got to take them. I don't know what to do now. God, you have to parent my kids for a little while because I'm totally... I'm like on empty. God, you've got to take my career. I keep typing up my resume. I keep sending it out. I got to give my resume to you now. I got to give my, I've done every interview. I dressed up. I said all the right stuff. Didn't get the job. God, I got to give my career to you now. God, you know I want to get married. You know it is hard being single and being Christian and being pure and living holy. And I can't, I gotta give that to you. I can't, God, I cannot do this. If I take this step, would you leap towards me, God? You know, if I could jump in your arms, God, I think I could make it one more day. If the, if the scriptures would just leap out of the Bible at me and be real in my life, Before I pray, I'm going to do something bold. If you're here today and you know that you need to take the first step to become a Christian, to let God own your life through Jesus Christ, his true son, you don't have to have it all figured out. But if you know you're sitting here and you're saying, I need to give God my life, I need to take the first step, would you just raise your hand where you are so I can pray for you? You're saying today, amen, brother. God bless you. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen, sisters. Amen, sister. Amen, brother. Okay. Would you just stand up? I'm not going to make you come up here, but just stand up because I want to pray with you. If you raised your hand, just stand where you are because I want to pray with you. And, and the other thing is because the saints need to celebrate this. All right, while you're standing, I just want to, I want to pray for you. And if there's anybody that feels led to stand up around these sisters and brothers or just reach out a hand towards them, we want to lift them up to God. Lord, God, we thank you for these sisters and brothers that have stood to make the first step. 
that they've decided that their way is not enough, that your way is better. We stand here believing that Jesus, you are God's true son, that you died on the cross and rose to life for the forgiveness of my sins. You paid the price so that I could have the free gift of eternal life, not just in heaven, but here on earth with God. I can start living with my Savior, with my Lord right now. Forgive me of my sins, God. I accept you not only into my life, but I give you ownership of my life. Give me the right relationships so that I can grow. Help me to begin to understand what I'm reading in your word. Help me to seek you through prayer before trying to figure it out on my own. I desire to walk with you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. If you stood after I say this closing prayer, um, there'll be some people where Brother Pastor Chuck is standing. There's a table over there with some free resources to give you. Please don't leave here without taking those resources. It will help you keep taking the next steps. If you are here today and you're already a Christian, but you know that God wants you to take the next step, whatever that means, would you stand with me so that I can pray with you? Whatever it is, if you know that God is leaping at you saying, please take the next step, praise God. Let's pray. Abba Father, help me to think like you think. Help me to love more and more like you love. I say this knowing that I could never totally think with your mind. And I could never, no matter how much I love, ever love the way you love. But as much as my love and thinking and living can be like you, please let it happen. Help me to be more compassionate, more patient, more caring, more sensitive. Help me to see with spiritual eyes and not just natural eyes. Help me to depend on what's above me instead of always what's below with me. Help me even in the storm to write letters of love and to sing songs of praise, knowing that I am not alone, even in the fiery furnace, you are with me. God, as I lift my foot for the next faith step, continue to leap at me with everything I need. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you and God keep you. If you need further prayer, there will be prayer counselors up here, staff and volunteers who would love to pray with you. Let's keep stepping with Jesus. God bless you.